This is Gene Lance on the Worker's Beat Extra. I wrote a review of a book called The Man Who Never Died, The Lifetimes and Legacy of Joe Hill, an American labor icon. It was published by Bloomsbury, USA, New York in 2011. There are several books about the same guy. Lots of activists in America, including me, have buttons that say, quote, don't mourn, organize. And lots of activists in America have heard a song with the words, I never died. It's a song about Joe Hill. Like a history of working people everywhere, there are few, very few good ways to find out anything. Nowhere is the romance of the industrial workers of the world more beautifully told than in the life and songs of its greatest troubadour, Joe Hill, the man who never died. This new book carefully catalogs everything that is known about his life and death, but adds much more. The spirit of the labor's battles from 1901 to 1915, especially in the West, is examined and exalted. The contribution of IWW volunteers to the Mexican Revolution in Baja, California is included. That was something I didn't know about. The industrial workers of the world, of course, were by far the most important romantic part of the whole story of American labor. So the man who never died was an important part of it. The book takes a lot of trouble to settle one big question as to whether or not Joe Hill was guilty of murder. Was he guilty of the murder for which he was executed? The book says no, Joe Hill was no murderer. He explains that the prosecution's case was all circumstantial and that it, none of it had anything to do with what really happened. Joe Hill himself said he was innocent and he said that he was shot by a jealous lover and that he and a, a friend of his were both in love with the same woman and that his friend had shot him and he wouldn't he wouldn't name the friend, of course, and he wouldn't name the woman. So he didn't have much of an argument because he didn't have an alibi. But at the same time, there was no real reason to suspect Joe Hill in the first place except that he had been shot on the same night that somebody else got shot. For me, the arguments about his innocence were not really necessary I would have been convinced by one sentence on page 340 in which it says, quote, Hill's body had yet to be cremated. In fact, his pulse was barely gone when the Utah Governor Spry formally and unambiguously declared class war on the industrial workers of the world. 
So it seems to me that Joe Hill was right when he said that he had been made the GOAT because the government wanted to go after the industrial workers of the world. The book goes on to talk about the nationwide witch hunt, which was joined by President Wilson and the federal government as World War I began, and that effectively they had suppressed labor's most robust organization, the industrial workers of the world, which were sometimes called the Wobblies or the Wobs. Now, some people may take issue with this book's advocacy for the subject and might say that the industrial workers of the world weren't really that great. But they can't argue with his, his case he made on whether or not Joe Hill was innocent. Certainly, the man who never died made his mark. And it was his execution in 1915 that made him lastingly famous, never forgotten, and made him the man who never died. As the song says, from San Diego up to Maine and every mine and mill where working folks defend their rights, it's there you'll find Joe Hill. It's there you'll find Joe Hill. I got some more stuff from Wikipedia about Joe. He was born Joe Hagland in Sweden. He didn't immigrate to the United States until he was 23, where he became an itinerant laborer. In other words, somebody that didn't have a regular job. He just moved around. He moved from New York City to Cleveland and eventually to the West Coast. By that time, he had shortened his name to Joe, Joe Hillstrom, and he joined the Industrial Workers of the World around 1910 when working on the docks in San Pedro, California. In late 1910, he wrote a letter to the IWW newspaper, which was called Industrial Worker. He identified himself as a member of the IWW local chapter in Portland, Oregon. We don't know much more about him except for his body of work. Joe played the piano. He wrote songs, he wrote uh, cartoons and satirical poems and made speeches for the industrial workers of the world. He was the author of numerous labor songs, including The Rebel Girl, which was inspired by the great IWW activist Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. He wrote her a lot of letters from prison. I actually held one of them in my hand, and it said, don't mourn, organize. He wrote a lot of letters in his last few years, and uh, they are now in the Tamament Library in New York City. He wrote The Preacher and the Slave. There's a good story about The Preacher and the Slave. He'll tell you what's wrong and what's right. You will eat by and by in a glorious land in the sky. Work and pray. Live on hay. You'll get pie in the sky when you die. That's the preacher and the slave. And the part of the story about it is that Joe didn't much like the Salvation Army. 
because the Salvation Army never got arrested for making noise. They made all kinds of noise. They had tubas and coronets and bugles and all kinds of musical instruments, and they could make all the noise they wanted, but they never got arrested. Whereas the Union men, whenever they tried to say a word from a soapbox on a city street or a city sidewalk, they would get arrested. And he particularly didn't like the Salvation Army because he said they would come up behind the industrial workers of the world when they were trying to hold a street rally and they would make so much noise that you couldn't hear yourself think and the police would never arrest them. So he wrote, long-haired preachers come out every night just to tell us what's wrong and what's right. But when we ask them for something to eat, they all tell us in voices so sweet. You'll get pie in the sky when you die. By his fame, he became Joe Hill, which is shortened just because that became his, uh, his trade name. He worked as a laborer in the Silver King Mine in Park City, Utah, not far from Salt Lake City, in 1914. And in January 10, 1914, John G. Morrison and his son Arling were killed in their Salt Lake City grocery store by two armed intruders wearing red bandanas. The police first thought it was a crime of revenge, for nothing had been stolen, and Mr. Morrison had been a police officer previously, possibly creating many enemies. On that same evening, Joe Hill went to a doctor with a bullet wound. Joe Hill pointed out that the hole in his body and the hole in his coat showed that he had his hands over his head when he was shot. So the, his shooting had nothing to do with whatever happened with Mr. Morrison. And also, Joe Hill didn't even know who Morrison was. And Morrison's son, who was there, when he first saw Hill, said, that's not him at all. But later on, he identified him as the murderer. And according to the lawyer representing Hill, he said, quote, the main thing the state had on Hill was that he was a wobbly and therefore sure to be guilty. Hill tried to keep the IWW out of the trial, but the press fastened it upon him. In a letter to the court, Hill continued to deny that, that the state had a right to inquire into the origins of his wound, leaving little doubt that the judges would affirm the conviction. So, Joe Hill was shot in November of 1915. November, 9, November 19, 1915, the uh, deputy who was running the firing squad said, Ready and aim! And Hill shouted ahead of him, fire, go ahead on and fire. Just prior to his execution, Joe Hill had written to Bill Haywood, who was the main leader of the Industrial Workers of the World, and said, quote, Goodbye, Bill. I die like a true blue rebel. Don't waste any time in mourning. Organize. And that's why we have these buttons to say, don't mourn, organize because that's what Joe Hill said. He also, in that same letter, asked if they could have his body hauled to the state line to be buried, because Joe Hill said, 
I don't want to be found dead in Utah. Later on, he was cremated, and his ashes were scattered across all of the states of America, except for Utah. And then, and then in 1988, a small part of them turned up again because they had been confiscated by the post office. And people found them, and they made sure that they were not scattered in Utah. While he was waiting to die, Joe Hill wrote a lot of letters. He wrote them on yellow-lined paper, the kind school kids use. As I said a while ago, I held one of them in my hand once. Here's, here's what he wrote for his last will. My will is easy to decide, for there is nothing to divide. My kin don't need to fuss and moan. Moss does not cling to rolling stone. My body, oh, if I could choose, I would to ashes it reduce and let the merry breezes blow my dust to where some flowers grow. Perhaps some fading flower then would come to bloom and life again. This is my last and final will. Good luck to all of you. Joe Hill, the man who never died. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.